Welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast, presented by the National Federation of the Blind, the transformative membership and advocacy organization of blind Americans. Live the life you want. Hello, and welcome to the Nation's Blind Podcast. I am Melissa Riccobono, back with you again. So happy to be back. And I'm here where? Anil Lewis. It's convention time, ladies and gentlemen. It is convention time. How are you, Anil? I feel like it's been forever since I've talked to you in the podcast. Yeah, it does feel like it's been forever, but I'm glad that we're here. I'm very glad that we're here. And it certainly is convention time. There is there is no question about that. We are, we are working hard uh, to get convention going. And I don't know, Anil, what's your favorite part of convention? Uh, convention. that's my favorite part oh my goodness i mean the crowd the people the energy all of the good work everything i mean i agree with you i guess more so i i love the presidential report Mm -hmm. i love that recap of what we've done and the second thing that i really love is something that some people i think kind of shake their heads and groan and no it's not the financials um those are also very important but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're not really my, my entertaining, uh, yeah, entertaining favorite part. That's right. <laughs> but I love resolutions. I think they are so important. They are proof that we truly are an organization that is run by our members. Mm-hmm. Anybody can write a resolution. It might not get passed, but that's the process, right? Mm-hmm. And anybody can speak on the floor for a resolution, if it gets past the committee and you feel strongly for or against, you're able to speak on the floor. And I will never forget, and I, of course, I don't remember, it's funny that I'll never forget it, but I won't, don't remember part of it. I don't remember what resolution I spoke for or against. I just remember feeling very passionate mm-hmm. and just getting goosebumps when Dr. Maurer called on me. And at the time, I I wasn't a state president. I mean, I, I, I felt like I was kind of a nobody. I wasn't really, of course, because none of our members are nobodies, but it was just such a powerful experience that I was able, as a member of the National Federation of the Blind, to stand on the floor of the convention and state my point of view about this resolution, either for or against. That just sticks with me. And I've seen other people, I've seen young students be able to do the same thing. And I think for some people, that's really when they truly become members of the National Federation of the Blind. I agree that the resolutions component for me is a reaffirmation of the commitment of the National Federation of the Blind to be member driven. And I think, unfortunately, many of our members miss that aspect of what we're doing. Otherwise, the resolutions committee meeting would be overflowing. Mm -hmm. But it is that opportunity to see how deliberative the leadership is with respect to getting that feedback, considering that feedback from our members and really not with just feedback, but that direction from our members. And the other important piece of it, I think that if people pay attention, it really helps them understand the nuance of the decisions that we have to make regarding our policies. Yeah. So many times, many of our members come to us and they think that it's just black and white. It's just so simple. Either for or against audible traffic signals, either for or against truncated domes. And when you listen to the deliberation of the resolutions committee, you find out that there are some considerations that need to be addressed in order to come up with the true policy that we can execute. Sure, it's nice if one person (laughs) introduces a resolution and thinks that they have the answer, but then it has to be run across the spectrum of our membership to get those different perspectives to come to a consensus policy or procedure that we can implement 
altogether. That's where the collective action comes to play and the resolutions are at the foundation of stimulating our collective action. I completely agree. I I am going to talk just a second about something that's in the interview that we're going to hear, but I think it's such an important point that it bears repeating. Just because a resolution might fail does not mean that we are saying that we don't believe in whatever it is. We're not against the policy because a resolution fails. We're only for the policies on record of the resolutions that pass. And so I think people might get very angry and say, oh, the NFB, they're against such and such, or they're against that. And no, it's not necessarily that we're against the big picture. It's that we couldn't pass that particular or didn't pass that particular resolution the way it was worded. Right. And it doesn't mean we're not going to take action. Right. Many times during the process, we consider, no, this doesn't need to raise to the level of a formal resolution. There's plenty of work that we can do. Like our advocacy and policy team can take some action on this. Our blindness initiative staff can really do some research and integrate, you know, develop a program or project. So, again, the process is to get that feedback from our membership and, again, the direction from our membership. And then the leadership can make a determination as to which resources we should bring to bear in order to affect the change that our members want to see. Absolutely. So we have a really cool conversation to bring to you. We actually have President Riccobono. It's been a long time, <laughs> probably since last year after convention. I think he was on our podcast. But since then, I don't think he's been on. But he has done a conversation with a brand new resolutions chair, And this is Donald Porterfield, who says that he is in the shadow of a giant, Sharon Minecki, who has, you know, stepped aside, but is not, you know, is is, is helping him every step of the way. But they are going to share their thoughts on resolutions. And uh, it's, it's a really nice conversation. So should we get to it? Sounds good. Greetings, fellow Federationists. It's a pleasure to be back on this episode of the Nation's Blind podcast to talk about resolutions. And I'm even more proud to have with me to banter and talk about one of the most important processes we have in the Federation governance, our resolutions, the president of the National Federation of the Blind of Arizona, and a member of our national board, Donald Porterfield. Donald, welcome. Well, thank you for this opportunity to talk about resolutions, the important role it plays in the work that we do here in the National Federation of the Blind. So, Donald, to start off, I think it would be great for you to give listeners of our podcast just a little brief background sketch on your history and experience in the Federation. I first joined the National Federation of the Blind back in 2011, and if I'm not mistaken, it was April of 2011, and I attended my first national convention that same year in Orlando. It was an amazing experience. You know, I was fairly new to being blind, and for some reason, I thought that I was a singular type blind person, that uh, I was going to blaze trails as this brand new blind attorney because there couldn't be that many of us, could there? (laughs) I mean, I found out that I was wrong, but I got my first leadership role later that year when the affiliate president in Arizona, a gentleman by the name of Bob Kresmer, asked me if I wanted to take on the uh, legislative and advocacy director position here in Arizona. And of course, I asked, do you have guidelines? Is 
you know, about what to do. And he says, no, you know, kind of up to you. And he gave me a lot of leeway to do advocacy, to do legislative work. And then he encouraged me to run for a position on the board, which I did. And I was elected. And then he encouraged me to run for the uh, vice presidency, which I did and, and was elected. And when he stepped down, I moved into the role as uh, the president. I've been on the National Resolutions Committee for, for several years now. You know, I, I look at that process as one of the most important things that we in the Federation do. But my short history, like I said, it runs from 2011 to the present. You know, I've been a member of the Federation for about 11 years now, and I've held you know, various leadership roles, been really active in, in terms of legislative and advocacy. And like I said, I believe in the function and the role that resolutions play in what we do. I think it's a great example of how leaders come to be leaders in this organization uh, in, in many different ways and with many different backgrounds and capacities. And uh, obviously you stepped in with some experience and some training, but you also declared that you were ready to, to work and ready to help out with the decision-making process. And I think so often people miss the fact that the Federation provides a very blank slate for you to get involved in helping to build the organization. And resolutions is an important part of that because it is a political process. You have to draft something that can garner support, but really anybody can draft a proposed resolution and bring it to the committee. Now, I, of course, take the resolutions extremely seriously. It, it kind of sets out a roadmap for my work, uh, especially guiding our staff and other leaders during the year or the years to come. But Donald, can you talk from your perspective about the importance that resolutions play in our movement? I guess one of the things I've heard it said and, and I've seen it work is the National Federation of the Blind. We're a democratic organization. You know, we elect our leaders. Every member gets an opportunity to vote. And so the resolutions come from individuals who care about the advancement and the independence, the equality that blind individuals such as the two of us, you know, work every day to help achieve. And not just the two of us, there is an innumerable number of people working on, on those things. And because they're voted on by the membership, it's more than just the proponent who has ownership in that resolution. It's our entire organization because it, it has an impact. And our anticipation and hope is that it's going to positively impact each and every one of us. So like I said, I, I believe that the, the process of selecting and reviewing and discussing and voting on resolutions goes to the core, to the foundation of the National Federation of the Blind. Donald, our uh, resolutions deadline for this year is June 1st. Pre-pandemic, we had a, a little shorter deadline, but we learned during the pandemic that having a couple extra weeks, especially to get resolutions in a form that we can get them up on the web before the resolutions committee meets was really important. So June 1 is our deadline. Now, you can still get a resolution into the committee after June 1, as long as you get it to the chairperson and it has the support of at least three members of the committee itself. But we really want to get them in before June 1. And 
in final form. So it's the final form thing that scares people. Can you, well, first of all, let me say you're stepping into to some big shoes because this is your first year chairing the committee and Sharon Manecki has been chairing the committee for many years. And so she has been working with people on resolutions and you now get that task. I know she's there to help you out, but can you talk a little bit about, from your perspective as chairman, your willingness to work with people on taking their idea and getting it into resolution-worthy form. Before I do that, you mentioned uh, Sharon Manecki, and I am truly walking in the shadow of a giant. The work she's done on resolutions, on legislation, is legendary in the National Federation of the Blind. But to the point about continuing that same type of work, we are definitely going to continue that process. We've already had resolutions that are starting to roll in. And, you know, we're reaching out to those individuals, trying to get back to you within two days, three days at the max of receipt of the resolution. We might not have the exact direction to point you in, but, you know, we will acknowledge that we have received your resolution. And whether it's it's me or another member of the resolutions committee, it might be, you know, a member that's from the state of that proponent, we will try to make sure that somebody helps get the resolution into final form. And final form means so many things. There's a formatting, very sort of stylistic thing. And, and we have people that will review the resume for, you know, for grammar, for spelling and, and things like that, because it's a document that represents us. But making sure that the research has been done, you know, is there more research that needs to be done and put into the whereas clauses. Anybody that's read the resolutions realize that a resolution is, whether it's half a page or two and a half pages, it's really one long sentence that talks about an issue that we, the National Federation of the Blind, need to address. So we will still have individuals that are willing to work with writers of resolutions to assist them in getting it into that final form that can be presented to the committee in Houston. So nfb.org slash resolutions is a great place to find examples. You can find our 2022 resolutions that were passed and also uh, other archived resolutions if you need a sample of what resolutions have looked like. So Donald, we talked about people writing resolutions and the individual writing it and submitting it may or may not be the proponent, but there does have to be a proponent for the resolution that appears at the committee meeting to defend the submission of the resolution. Can you talk about the importance of the proponent appearing at the meeting? The one thing we say every year about the resolution is that the resolution does not stand for itself. There has to be more the proponent is there to articulate what was the general impetus or thrust of writing this resolution and what this resolution ultimately hopes to accomplish. Essentially, in our democratic process, it's akin to a bill in the House or the Senate in that the proponent is serving as that sponsor. And it's possible your resolution gets voted down. If the proponent is not available or not in convention to support that resolution, there's very little they can do to revive that resolution if the committee votes it down, but they feel strongly enough about getting it in front of the convention for a vote. So having somebody that can speak to the reasons, the subtleties, 
of that resolution, I think is very important for our understanding. So process number one is to get a resolution in final form to the committee, and the committee can support that process of getting into the final form. Step number two, if it's going to appear in front of the committee, there has to be a proponent there to speak for the resolution. Now, the committee has an important job of recommending resolutions to the general body of the convention. So the committee votes them up or down. Now, as you point out, if the committee votes them down, it makes it harder to get them to the floor, but they can, in fact, get to the floor of the convention if the resolution has the support of enough delegates to the convention, uh, it can still appear on the floor as recommended by those delegates. That is correct. And I believe the number of delegates is five. Five delegates. That's correct. So if your resolution gets voted down and, and the committee will debate and discuss the resolution, we won't modify or change it. Now, if there's a misplaced comma or something, we might clean that up. But no substantive or major changes will be made by the committee to a resolution. And we'll vote it up or we'll vote it down. And as President Riccobono just said, up votes go to the convention floor and down votes unless the proponent can obtain the support of at least five delegates in attendance. The resolution does not go for a vote in full of the full membership. And there is a third thing that can happen with a resolution, in addition to it being voted up or down, and I believe we saw this last year, the proponent can withdraw the resolution, especially if they feel like sometimes it might be covered by other policy initiatives, or sometimes they might realize that, well, I need to do more work because I really can't answer all the questions that I think need to be answered in order to gain support for this resolution. And so it can be withdrawn as well. That's a great point. You know, we hope that enough due diligence is done at the front end, but proponents that recognize that their proposed policy statement may have some flaws do the responsible thing by pulling their resolution. So there are a number of ways to get it to the floor. By the way, another one is that the board of directors, which of course represents 17 leaders of the federation, most of whom, not all, are delegates. So the board of directors could bring a resolution to the floor. And once in a while that happens, if there's an emergency item that comes up during the convention after the resolutions committee meeting, sometimes that will happen. Now, the committee simply recommends the resolution to the convention when it brings it to the floor. And by the way, if the committee votes a resolution down, that does not set policy for the organization. And the same is true for the convention. If the convention votes in favor of a resolution, it becomes policy. But if it votes a resolution down, it doesn't make a policy statement at all. Uh, a lot of times people want to attribute voting a resolution down as adopting a policy that is opposite of what's stated in the resolution. And that's, of course, is not the case. So an important political distinction there. And like I said, it was talked about the National Board bringing resolutions is also, I think, an important thing for individuals to know, because sometimes there are things, that, as you said, that happen quickly and at the last minute that need to be brought to the uh, convention floor. So writing a resolution, coming up with the ideas for a resolution, it's a year-round process. It's not just something that occurs in the summer of our convention year or late spring. It's a well-crafted resolution, especially if it's a technical resolution dealing with technical matters, 
it will probably take some time to draft that resolution and to do the research. So I would encourage people to begin the process of 2024 resolutions now and indefinitely immediately after we've presented the resolutions to uh, the 2023 convention. Yeah, it's a great point. And some resolutions even start as local issues that get discussed, debated. And that's what we do in our organization as blind people. We get together and we we share ideas and decide what major policy statements of the organization should be. I know we're running short on time, but we should also say that policy statements, resolutions, once they become approved by the convention, they become policies of the organization. But they uh, they can evolve over time with future resolutions. And I think a good example of that is when you go back and look at 20 years ago, when we first started talking about the problems that quiet cars, silent and hybrid vehicles posed for blind people, the convention wasn't quite sure if it really felt that we should go ask the government and car manufacturers to do something big and bold about it. So you can go back and notice that over a period of, I don't remember, three or four years, we had resolutions that progressively showed that our community was evolving its understanding of the important thing that this was going to be. And that ultimately led to our passing a very strong resolution about the need for federal law, which was signed into law in 2011 before Donald came around to the Federation. And during the pandemic, we saw the final outcomes of those regulations. I uh, was uh, commenting to a friend who came and picked me up in a Tesla the other day that thank goodness that car makes a sound because of the work of the National Federation of the Blind. But it shows that our policies also evolve. So Donald, I want to make sure we don't get away from this conversation without you telling folks, how do they reach you? There are a couple of ways to reach me. One, of course, is by phone, and I'll give you that in just a minute. But resolutions can be sent to resolutions at nfb.org, and those come to my inbox as well as the inbox of a couple of other individuals. I can be reached by phone at 520-850-2180. If you insist upon snail mail, my address is 7360 East Vactor, and that's spelled V as in Victor, A-C-T-O-R, Ranch Trail, Tucson, Arizona, 85715. The quickest ways, of course, is by sending the email to uh, resolutions at nfb.org or giving me a phone call. If I don't answer during the day, leave me a voicemail and I will get back to you. One important thing I did want to say about resolutions before I close is that when writing a resolution or when you have an idea about something you think is a resolution, I think an important question to ask is, does this really require a resolution or should I create more work for President Riccobono and ask that he write a letter to an organization or a business or a government entity? Because sometimes we can get in the door and, and get those things started, especially once we're done with the resolutions process for 2023. If you've got something immediate that you're thinking about for 2024, it doesn't always have to wait till convention time. 
That's a great point. And of course, as individuals, we can do a lot to push businesses. I mean, for example, is the Federation on record as in favor of accessible websites? Well, yes, we are. So you can point to that in a communication to any business out there, and you don't you don't need a statement from the Federation about that. So you can also utilize the resolutions in advocacy work on behalf of the National Federation of the Blind and in our individual work to self-direct and empower blind people to uh, break down the barriers that stand between blind people and our dreams. Um, Donald, I'm looking forward to your first time in the seat. I know it's going to be great. Uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to share with the podcast audience? Well, I am looking forward to seeing everybody in Houston. I tell people all the time about the power that we have when we come together as a collective and the resolutions are part of our collective effort to bring about positive change for blind people. So thank you for this opportunity to uh, chair the resolutions committee and this process. I'm, I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you very much, Donald, for your chairmanship of the resolutions committee and to all of the members of the committee for taking up the awesome responsibility. I would encourage listeners of the podcast to check out the Federation's new presence on Mastodon by following at nationsblind at nfb.social. And I'd encourage you to follow me at president at nfb.social. I'm sure this year there'll be a lot of engagement around resolutions on our Mastodon server. Back to our podcast hosts. Do you want to leave a legacy for the next generation? Join the National Federation of the Blind Legacy Society, the Dreammaker Circle. Joining is easy. You can give a portion of a bank or investment account by simply filling out a payable on death form at your bank and indicating the NFB should receive a percentage or a fixed amount upon your passing. Consider designating the NFB as a partial beneficiary of your life insurance, retirement, or in a trust or will. For more information, call Patty Chang at extension 2422 or email pchang, P-C-H-A-N-G, at nfb.org. Very interesting conversation. I I said earlier that he's very busy. It's a good thing that he's very busy, Melissa. I might be out of a co-host position. I was thinking the same thing, Anil. I was really kind of worried. And and you know, this podcast is very important to me. How important it is to you, yes. (laughs) At one point, you said that you'd have to pull the microphone from my cold, dead hand. And I kind of said, no, yeah. no, no, you, you said that. Don't, oh, no. don't open, <laughs> let the record show that Melissa's dedication and anyway, passion to her I, yeah, role. I, yes. I love this podcast. It's one of my very favorite things that I get to do. But I mean, I thought President Riccobono did a, a fantastic job interviewing and, you know, Donald Porterfield is a, is a great interviewee. So, or conversationalist, yeah. I guess we don't really want to call it an interview because it was much more of a conversation. That's really what we want to do here on the Nation's Blind podcast is to converse with one another. And you're right. He, he has uh, a significant role to fill. I mean, Sharon had years and years in this role, but I think Donald's up to it. So I'm looking forward to uh, his leadership under Sharon's mentoring and tutelage. I think we're in good in a good place. I think we're in a great place. I'm definitely looking forward to being at the Resolutions Committee meeting this year. But I do have some breaking news. The breaking news is those who register for the virtual convention experience are going to be able to listen 
to the resolutions committee streamed live as the committee is meeting. The board has agreed to this. Look at that. Congratulations to the board. I think it's a, a wonderful decision. I think it's a way for people who cannot attend convention for one reason or another to just have one more piece of the convention that they can participate in from home. Again, you're not going to be able to, you know, talk during the meet. I mean, you can talk at home, but you can't, you're not going to be able to talk on the floor during the meeting or things like People that. People can have virtual resolution parties. You, you could. And sit, you, and you could. Eat hors d'oeuvres and listen yeah. to the deliberative body of the Federation. A absolutely. Yeah. But I just, I think this is a fantastic thing. And so please, President Riccobono wanted me to share with all of you if you know you can't make it to the convention please register for the virtual experience. You can actually register after the 31st of May for the virtual experience, but please try to register before if you can. We, we just love to know what numbers we're looking at. I'm super excited. I'm going to be along with Anil helping with virtual convention content again, another of my very favorite things. And so I'm excited about that and want all of you to be able to experience that. And of course, if you can come to convention, you still have some time, please register before May 31st. I sincerely hope that listening to this has really uh, highlighted the importance of the resolutions process within the National Federation of the Bind and has inspired and encouraged many to participate. So that's really wonderful that individuals who register for the virtual convention can actually listen to the deliberative exercise of the resolutions committee. And I think that especially if you're one of those individuals that are saying, well, why, why did we do this and mm -hmm. why didn't we do this? I think it'll give you a lot of insight, you know, with respect to all of the different concerns because the beauty of our resolutions committee, it is a very inclusive, very representative sample of all of the members of our organization through all the various characteristics that we embrace through our membership. So again, it'll give you an opportunity to step outside of your own perspective and look at what we're doing through the lens of so many other members in the development of our policies. Absolutely. Well, Anil, I think that's about all we can say about resolutions. Aside no, there's from, plenty more. Uh, th there, there is Therefore, plenty more. be resolved. This, no. <laughs> but, you know, please remember, and I don't think they really talk about this much in the interview, but remember that your delegate to the convention, that's really where if you feel really strongly, if you're not going to be there, or if you are going to be at convention, your delegate is really the person to talk to about any concerns or any strong feelings you have about a resolution. You want your delegate to know where you stand so that if it comes to a vote only of the delegates, you know, they can take that, not that they, not that they might vote with you or against you or whatever, because the delegate has to be somebody that represents all the members of the affiliate, and that's why they're elected. They're elected so that they do represent all the members as fairly as they possibly can. But if you haven't shared your concerns with your delegate, then you can't have that conversation. So make sure you do that as well. Very good point. Well, we've knocked another one down there, Melissa. Yeah. Educating our membership, letting people know how vibrant the Federation is. Oh, I can't wait to see what's next. I can't wait either, and I can't wait to see everybody at convention. And also communicate with those that can't attend convention with our pre-convention and our virtual convention experience podcasts and sessions that we get to do with all of you. Excellent. Until the next time we communicate with our listeners, we want you all to know that you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. We'd love your feedback. Email podcast at nfb.org or call 410 659 9314 
extension 2444.